Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive podcast, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, it's going to be a short one. No way around that. Guess yeah. what? There's nothing happened. <laughs> well, guess how many Kraken games since we last had a podcast? Oh, look at that. Uh, not many. So um, we're, we're, we're going to get into, of course, all of the Oliver Bjorkstrand All-Star Game stuff. I mean, there's a surprisingly large amount of stuff to talk about from that. Um, got some other news and notes, including two different coaching bits of news uh for the kraken organization that we wanted to talk about and then obviously some some rumors that have been circulating around nhl circles in regards to one member of the seattle kraken but of course got to start off the podcast like we do every week mentioning queen Anne beer hall the lovely sponsor of this podcast you guys all know this already right it's like you know how great it is you know how much the players love it i'm just gonna say Got another week before Kraken games, right? Might sound like then maybe not the best time to go to a sports bar, but I'm telling you, this would be an even better time to go to the sports bar because you then get to savor and taste every bite of the pretzel because you're not also having to split your focus on the Kraken game happening on one of the like million TVs that they have, right? You just get to enjoy and savor that pretzel 100%, RJ. Yeah, sometimes it's best when it's all about the food. You know, I have no problem saying that. And then also, I mean, just some cool news with Seattle in general, right? The the World Cup is coming to Seattle in a couple of years. I know it's a ways off, but you know they're going to have some huge celebrations for all of that when the time does come. Oh, definitely, definitely. And then just two other kind of quick bits of news here um, in regards to ECH before we get started on everything. First off, want to remind everybody that we are having that watch party on the 14th at Flatstick Pub, uh, the South. Lake Union location. RJ will be there. It's for that game on February 14th against the Islanders. It's a 4.30 start. So I know maybe not everybody can get there right away, but still, we would love to have as many people there for that as possible. And hey, if you're there, you want to ask a question on the post-game live show afterwards, RJ's going to, you know, we're, we're working on the setup to, to make that happen. Um, and we just want to give, you know, Flatstick uh, some love. We want to show them what oh, the yeah. ECH community can do. Now, Dylan, one issue with that, it's actually on the 13th. Oh, the 13th. Yeah, okay. Well, stop me earlier then. 13th. I should have stopped. I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but yes, it's the 13th. It's because the Kraken have like eight games in that seven-day stretch that week, man. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> so we got, the, we got the 13th for the Islanders, 430 at the South Lake Union location. And then also, when the Kraken do get back into action, we have our Patreon live game commentary game on the 10th. Get that right? Yes, that is correct. It is the 10th. Against the Flyers. It's against the Flyers. It's Saturday at 4 o'clock. Not too many road games to choose from this month, but that's what uh, the community wanted because hopefully everybody could make it on a Saturday. So good stuff. But just wanted to get that out there because it is the first game back from this break. Uh, So I wanted to remind everybody about that. And then, RJ, I will hand it off to you so you can get us started with news and notes and uh, the little message you have. Yes, sounds good. So uh, just real quick, I want to give a little shout out to uh, my dad. He's going through a pretty intensive back surgery right now. Actually, he's still in surgery as we record this. Uh, but I know he's going to be listening to this as he recovers. It's it's going to be kind of a long and difficult recovery. So just want to give him a shout out. You know, I, I know you're going to be listening, dad, and, uh, you know, hope you're hanging in there all right. And, and I'm thinking about you. So um, I want to do that real quick. And then we can get to some of the news and notes, right? Uh, we've got... Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand at the All-Star game. Uh, and uh, it was it was an interesting time for him, <laughs> starting with the draft. I mean, we kind of get into that and start with it. Dylan, uh, 
what what adventures did he go through uh, at this All Star Game draft? Because I know there was technically no last pick, but he he felt he like last. the last pick. Yeah, no, he was last. I, I think we can definitively say Oliver Bjorkson was the last pick. We talked about this last week on the podcast. Would he be the last pick? And we kind of thought like, there's no way he could be the last pick. We knew he was going to be sitting there for a while. Right. We, we knew that. We talked about the fact that, look, he's not on national teams with any of these guys. He didn't have junior connections to any of these guys he's playing in Seattle. Like there's not a ton of like, you know, blend, you know, blend over from from any of these guys with him. So we knew that he was going to be sitting there for a while. One, I guess we didn't know that there wasn't going to be a last pick. Like, that's something that they kind of seemingly threw in in the middle, it almost felt like, given how poorly the broadcast handled it all. Um, right. I mean, I read the press release and stuff they sent. This is not something that. the league really talked about, not having a no. last pick. So that was a surprise. Yes, it was a surprise. It looked like it was a surprise to the guys out there. And, I mean, like, we'll just get into that aspect of it before we get into the other stuff, right? I get that you don't want to have a last pick, so you're just going to take the last four guys, randomly assign them to teams. I think you should have gone over that with the the hosts of the events. Like, we, we talked about the numerous production problems, the audio issues. So There were so many production problems for this. But when it specifically comes to this idea of, of assigning these, these last four guys... Do, the, do it all at once. Pass out the envelopes if that's how you're doing it. And then just have them all open and flip the cards at the same time. Why? Like, if the whole point is to avoid the embarrassment of one guy being stuck there standing alone, the way Oliver Bjorkstrand did before walking over to join a team, then why did you create a scenario in which they go one by one and you're going to have one player there standing alone before he goes and joins a team? I don't understand. It's completely it's self-defeating. That, it's that easy. It's that simple. I don't understand it at all. Yeah, and, and of course Bjorkstrand, being the nice guy that he is, just kind of gets left there last. Stand. I, I could. I'm sure that's like how it worked out. Basically, just walking up. He wasn't gonna like push to not be last or anything. Right. That's the kind of guy he is. Well, I don't know that they would have known even to say push for that right like what, right now, that's known? true they're just being herded up look it was clear from the start the players didn't know how this was going to work none of them. i forget who it was yeah. afterward i think it was nathan mckinnon who said yeah. they had no idea it was even going to be in the arena right they thought it was just going to be in some other room and then all of a sudden they're on the ice in front of an arena full of fans and they're doing this oh, and their God. audio is being like you know broadcast to everyone and they don't know that and so yeah nobody knew what was going on no it was a complete mess in that regard i mean it's just such a such a disaster the failure of communication between the nhl and then espn and this isn't mostly an espn issue everybody as much as i would love to blame the league for it it's an espn <laughs> thing because it's their production they are in charge of this and they did a terrible job you could tell they didn't they didn't communicate anything to the players because the players were weirdly robotic you could tell that they were mostly stunned i thought austin matthews was the only one of the team captains that seemingly got on board with it and was trying to make something about it and then buble was the only celebrity it didn't even look like they told the celebrities rj you got like justin yeah. bieber not wanting to even be a part of anything you've got will arnett the quietest i've ever seen or heard will arnett by the way like he wasn't saying anything i just i still don't understand what they were thinking with all that and then yes i think what happened was rj because bjorkstrand wasn't all the way on the right when the last four players were remaining sitting down there i think what happened is they got they they got up to skate over to the stairs and he just let everybody go first and that's, that's what, what I was thinking, him. right? Yeah, 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 that's it. 
He was just like, all right, after you. And that's it. And then that doomed him to be last. Yeah. But you know what? He was nice about it. He's a gentleman about it because that's just who he is. Um, and look, he didn't seem like he was having a great time, but he, no. he wasn't complaining or anything. What's sad to me, too, is I watched the whole time he was there sitting right next to Tomas Hurdle. Yeah. Who is one of the most happy go lucky guys in the entire NHL. Absolutely love Tomas Hurdle. Fun must be always right. That's mm -hmm. his famous quote. And there were zero smiles between the two of them no. that, that I caught anywhere on the broadcast. Like if those two guys aren't having a good time, something's going wrong. Yeah. And I, again, I think the communication of the players wasn't there for it and, and that played into it. I think, yeah, I, I think they probably both knew they weren't going to be picked early. They were sat in the back. Now what I'm surprised by is you're sat in the back of something like that, RJ. You know the camera's not on you because you can see the people skating around with the cameras and they're never going to that back row. Wouldn't you just like get up to shenanigans? Wouldn't you start interacting with the fans behind you and just be like, nobody's paying attention to me anyway. I'm going to kind of live it up because it's the All-Star game. Maybe. I mean, if you have a certain personality, I suppose, to do that. But like, I don't know. Most of these guys aren't necessarily that way. Because like, look, the, the pranksters and stuff, they got selected early. Like Brady Kachuk yeah. went early. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it was a tough situation all the way around. And then on top of it, RJ, what's his name again? Do you remind me? Uh, Olivander Bjorkstrand? Olivander? Yeah. So we have all that. Not only does he go last, but then his name gets mispronounced. And not even the part that you would think somebody who doesn't they know got of him. right. Yes, like that's the part you would mess up. Not Oliver. <laughs> Oliver. Like this is not hard. I don't get it. Um I my own theory RJ is that he was he was like going to say something else and then like kind of got tripped up and just like turned it into Ollivander. Like it to me it sounds like cuz it was Butchagross, right? Who who says mm -hmm. it. It sounded like he was saying Oliver and then he was going to say and like maybe he jumped to the end of Bjorkstrand and he saw the like the 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 Anne there or something, and then he just kind of like, like flipped out for a second and just kind of threw that on because it's not like yeah. smooth. It's not like a smooth Oliver. It's like a Oliver and Bjorkstrand. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably what happened. Look, th this happens to to everybody. I mean, look, we, as much as we're on camera and record things and we don't have the time to kind of go through and, and yeah. edit things out for, you know, the podcast's sake, like people see we slip up sometimes as far as our speech. So it happens. Like, I, I totally get it. It's just really unfortunate where it happened, where it was kind of the last pick, really. Yeah. And not having the name right. And, you know, it's just it just is a bad look. Um yeah, and I guess maybe I did take the and from the end or so, like Ollivander Bjorkstra. <laughs> yeah, Bjorkstra. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was weird. And because it was at the end, it was super condensed because then the broadcast has to end there on the tight schedule. So it wasn't even like you could have fun with it if you wanted to or if the player wanted to have fun with it, right? Like there's been times where that's happened and, and you can kind of like make a thing of it. Um, I know obviously lots of Kraken fans were making, you know, having some fun with it and, and, and trying to make it not so bad, bringing in the Ollivander from uh, Harry Potter stuff, the, the wand maker for those who, who don't know and kind of working that in the Kraken. I think they put out one thing about that. Maybe. Oh, did they? I think they put out one, one tweet, right. Or Bowie did at least. I think oh, okay. somebody I somebody more official, I think, put out something with, with him with a with a wand in his hand. But it was just kind of yeah, it was it was a bad look overall for for a guy who 
had to be there. Yeah, basically had to be there, had to cancel his Airbnb in San Diego. And I'm sure it was seeming extra nice San Diego, although maybe not because apparently the weather down there is uh, terrible, far from what you would expect in San Diego. Lots of rain. You're getting a storm down there. So maybe he didn't miss out on as much as he thought he would. But still, a vacation with the family probably seemed pretty preferable after that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, Dylan, it, it does raise the question, too. Are, are we... Are we over it with Kraken players going to the All-Star game? Look, I've been over it. I've, I told people, you unless the All-Star game is in Seattle, you don't want Kraken players going because this is what's going to happen more or less. And all it does is just rob them of their vacations. But I certainly feel stronger about that now than I have. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I mean, we we talked about this. We released a free preview where we talked about the skills competition. We're kind of just over all-star games in general, right? Like, certainly if, if ESPN and the NHL is going to put on the shows that they put on, which were not good, then what's the point, right? Like, you can still name all-stars every year, right? That The players can get their contract bonus hit for doing it, right? For, for being named an all-star and whatever, but you don't have to have a game. You don't have to have them all go somewhere. You can just build it into the schedule and say, look, everybody's played 50 games. They're tired. Their body's hurt. They need some time to rest and recover. Everybody gets to go on vacation. There you go. The players who are selected, they get their all-star bonus. Good for you. And you move on. What? It's yep. not the worst idea in the world. No, I mean, it's that's really how it should be. They, there's no need for an all-star game. We talked about it on Red Glare extensively. You can go find that on Patreon if you, if you want to listen to our whole thing. Actually, we have a, pre, a free preview yeah. that we put out on, on our YouTube channel. So if you're watching the YouTube version of this, you can uh, just go right over after this is done and, and listen to that and see if you like it. But yeah, it's really not necessary anymore. And certainly it was nice showing all the love to Joey Decord, showing the love to Vince Dunn, trying to get them voted in the All-Star game, even though there was no chance because Canucks and Leafs fans were voting. Um, I think in the future, if there's an actual All-Star game, it's just let's just not. Yeah. No need for a voting campaign. No, no, not that it would matter anyway. Yeah, don't do not do it. Um, I, I think that would be fine. I, I, I think the players would probably prefer that. I mean, if you notice... I don't think the team nor the players were really campaigning hard for it this year, RJ. I don't know that yep. the team even bothered to put something out, which is, you know, odd. But I'm sure they they knew from the locker room that, that it wasn't necessarily that desirable. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of down to just kind of do away with the All-Star Game thing. And hey, look, again, if you're not going to do an All-Star Game, which they aren't doing next year. Yeah. You could just have the one representative from each team get chosen by the league. You don't have to worry about fan voting or any of that stuff because it doesn't matter. There's no event, right? Like, so it all works itself out. Yeah. And I think you might even get, you know, better picks that way because you're not necessarily worried about, you know, who's going to be able to go, who's not, whatever. Now, Dylan, because this is probably going to be a a shorter episode, Mm -hmm. um, can I just go on an unplanned detour here? Because I thought of something that maybe we can talk about. Okay. So um, I know this is a total surprise to you here, but thinking about the All-Star game and, well, the alternative, right? Because the yeah. reason there's going to be no All-Star game next year is because there's going to be an international tournament. Right. And the year after 2026, there's going to be the Olympics. And that yeah. was a big part of the news. And we talked about that a lot on Red Glare. But I think it might be good to look at it from a Kraken perspective, like yeah. just real quick. What Kraken players do we think might be participating in these events, if any? Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. I it's going to be close, right? Like on some of these, cause you know, my, your first gut instinct is to look at, at some of the, the top guys and really next year's tournament is just the four nations tournament. So it's just USA, Canada, Finland, Sweden, right? So that's going right. to knock, you know, 
several players out that aren't from those four countries. I think the most likely player that we see there, like the, the closest one to an absolute lock RJ for me, is probably mm-hmm. Ellie Tolvanen. I was thinking that. Yeah, Ellie Tolvanen for Team Finland. I don't know how they'd, they'd leave him off. Yeah, I, I think he's the he's the big lock. I, I, it's going to be real close with everybody else. Everybody else feels like it could be, you know, it could go either way, right? Whether it's it's Wenberg and Berkey for, for Sweden um, or, or, or Larson or Larson for that matter, too. I think he might be the next closest just because he plays D. Um, I, Team USA is stacked. I don't think Matty Beniers is getting on there unless he really, you know, shakes it off next year and gets going. I just don't know that there's going to be a ton of space for him. I mean, what do you think? Do you think like a McCann for, for Team Canada? Yeah, maybe McCann is, you know, if you want like a, the, the problem is like, you're going to have scoring wingers there already yeah. and guys who can play center. You're going to have way too many centers. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, Vince Dunn, possibly, although that, that blue line is going to be really tough to crack. Right. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know that the Kraken are going to have that many people actually there next year. In which case, look, it's probably better for you. It's more rest. It's less opportunity to get hurt. It's just less games and travel and all of that stuff on the body. Yeah, it's the same thing as the All Star game, really. Except it's it's tougher on you, really. Yeah, because they're actually the guys like competing. Hard. Yeah, and yes, it's fun to see them representing their country. But as far if you're just looking for the best result in the NHL possible at a potentially a Stanley cup. You don't want guys going to this. No, exactly. And I just don't looking at based on the Kraken's current roster. I don't know that they would have more than two guys, two or three at the most that would go. Yeah, probably not. At least not until it's expanded. Like when the Olympics come, yes. then you've got other guys like Oliver Bjorkstrand. If Denmark is in it, Oliver Bjorkstrand will be Absolutely. on that team. Yeah. You know, if Germany percent. is in it, Philip Grubauer will be on that team. Absolutely. thousand percent. But yeah, for the four nations tournament, I don't know that the Kraken are going to have a ton of representation. Like I said, yeah, Tolvanen would be the one guy that I think you could lock in now and know there's not going to be an issue. Yep, I know. I think he's the one you can count on. So thank you for indulging me on that, Dylan. Yeah, no, it was a good, good discussion. And then finally, just I guess before we finish up on the All-Star stuff, you know, Bjorkstrand had a goal in the game. That's right, he did. I No, I did see it. I did see a video of it. Yeah, we were not watching the All-Star game live. We were yeah, recording no. a podcast. Yes, yes. We. I mean, we don't watch them. But um, he, he did score for team Nathan McKinnon. Um, it was a nice breakaway goal with a lot of guys on the ice that were not trying too hard looked like <laughs> yep that's how the game goes um the yeah, reason we don't like watch Everly's goal in the first all-star game yeah that's true that is true well i mean they're they're three on three goals they all end up like breakaways that's true they all end up like breakaways so and the same where you can't pass you can't yep. look for a pass it's just you you have to just yep. try and shoot it yep and you know the goalies aren't gonna like put themselves in a situation where they're gonna totally lay out for it either because why why would they <laughs> yeah it's a lot of, can you tell why we don't watch these games? <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. But it's still, it's a good moment for him. He got to have it. You know, everybody got to celebrate uh Kraken player scoring in the all-star game. He gets to say that he scored in an all-star game. Yeah. That's a nice little accomplishment. You can kind of throw it in. It, it, when your career's done, you can look back and just say, yeah, that's, that's something that you did in the NHL. And yeah. Um, and you know what he was for Kraken fans who were watching as long as Bjorkstrand was in. His team did the perfect job, right? They lost in the shootout in the very first game. Yep. He was done, and we all got to turn off the TV. 
Yep, exactly. They they took care of us. Good stuff there. So that was uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand at the All Star Game. <laughs> Lots of stuff. Hooray! Yay! Oh, love it so much. All right, RJ. Next next bit of news and notes, though. We got we got a couple um, coaching notes to talk about here. That's right. So um, the first one, we'll start down in Coachella Valley with some pretty cool news uh, surrounding Firebirds assistant coach Jess Campbell. So um, she has taken on an advisory role with the Ottawa PWHL team, Um, and she's one of a a few people who they brought on board. Some really good gets, honestly, for for that team, right? I mean, these are people that you'd love to have in any kind of role that you can get with your team. and so there was a little uncertainty when we saw that news reported, like, okay, is this going to affect her role with the Firebirds? And, you know, Dylan and I, we, we were both hoping, really hoping the Firebirds <laughs> would not lose her because that would be a huge blow to their coaching staff. Mm-hmm. But we did a little bit of digging, you know, kind of used what Firebirds connections we have, and we were able to confirm that this does not affect her role with the Firebirds. And I just, because it's kind of funny, I'm just going to read the quote that we got from uh, from Firebirds PR, because I love reading this. This does not affect her role with the Firebirds. She's strictly consulting and helping grow the women's game, all while full-time staying on her bird path. There you go. So I love it. It's yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I maybe wouldn't go that far. Um, but it's <laughs> it's good stuff there. And yeah, really happy that you know she's getting this opportunity. She's going to be able to help the the PWHL team that I have I I have taken on as as the team I root for there. Right. Got to got to stick with Lando, the team dog, of yeah, course. Vindicated because I know a lot of people were saying Minnesota instead. You're having to defend your pick. I was. How about this? Jess Campbell chose them she i'm sure she had offers from all of these groups right like if they were smart they would have all offered she chose ottawa so i'm just saying everybody there's still time before like the team names and everything come out could could switch sides join up with ottawa got got jess campbell and a team dog i don't know what else anybody would want um so that's good stuff happy that she's not leaving the kraken organization especially given some of the prospects that are going to be coming in over the next couple of years, right. As they age up and, and reach AHL territory. I know, you know, from prospect live chats and everything, right. We, we always talk about skating with these prospects and, and the number one thing everybody says in the comment section, first thing I think of and, and talk about is just can't wait till they're with the firebirds and Jess Campbell gets to work on their skating. <laughs> yep. Every single time, so many of these prospects. Every single time, you have no idea how much it means to have somebody like her within the organization, where you can have these guys come in, and you know they're going to become better players just from working with her, right? And we just know that because we've seen it now with several guys. Shane Wright skating has improved immensely in his time with the Firebirds, working with her. Several other players within the organization have had the same thing, and it's just one of those things that I, I wanted to have around you know as long as possible and i'm sure the organization does as well so really happy that that you know she gets this opportunity she gets to go and and help the pwhl team and that league and and the women's game grow all that stuff but also going to be there to help out the firebirds and the kraken organization as a whole i think that's really important yeah, it's a it's a win win best situation, and I, I know you did mention this to me earlier when the when the news broke about her taking the position with Ottawa, because we didn't know what was gonna come right. of it, right? And, and you did say though, either way, you know, you may might have to prepare ourselves for you know the possibility that she might leave, because look, she's not gonna stay an assistant coach in the AHL forever. She's no. she's gonna advance in her career, and you know it might take her away from the Kraken organization, unfortunately. But it is something we do have to mentally prepare for just, you know, 
you never know what kind of offer she's going to get that, that you just can't turn down. It, exactly. Cause that was the worry. Yeah. We did not know that it was advisory at first. It was mm-hmm. just, she, she was a part of a list of names that, that Ottawa was bringing in. And we were like, Oh, that stinks. <laughs> like I immediately went to, she's going <laughs> to join their coaching staff. Like, why wouldn't she? Right. Like, why, why wouldn't you want her to? I'm sure they offered. <laughs> it sounds like she said, no, I think she is probably pretty committed to the, you know, the NHL coaching route. Right. And and trying yeah, to make a name so. for herself there and all of that stuff. And yeah, I've, I've talked about it in the past. I'd love to see her the head coach of the Firebirds at some point. Right. I don't know like what Dan Bilesma's, you know, long term thinking is. We've talked many times about kind of his attitudes down there in the AHL um, and and him just kind of seemingly taking it one day at a time, pretty relaxed about everything. Um, so I don't I don't know if there's like a, a larger plan. I would love if there was one way or the other. But um, I, I do think like it would be really cool if one day she was the, 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 the person there. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Like if they would kind of just worked out or something that she was mm-hmm. successor, you know, we don't know anything to that effect, but that would be awesome. And I think really there's only kind of two jobs that you would leave this for. And that's head coach of an AHL team or assistant coach at the NHL level. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then we have a, a separate piece of uh, Kraken coaching news here, RJ, to talk about. It's not really news. Like, it's just yeah, it's, an interesting tidbit. It, well, it's it's news adjacent, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the real news is that the Kings have fired Todd McClellan. And so, you know, they had named interim coach for the rest of the season, all of that. Uh, but what that how that relates to the Kraken is that it actually makes Dave Haxtell the longest tenured coach in the Pacific Division. Which is kind of wild to think about, just given yeah. you know the Kraken are an expansion team. They came in the league not too long ago, uh, and Hackstall has already. Yeah, they're in season <laughs> three, and every other Pacific Division team has already fired a coach in between then and now. So just kind of interesting to think about. And I know we talked about possibility of McClellan being fired earlier this season, yep. and so I looked it up too, just by coaching seniority, and and I was surprised to see how high Hackstall was, just given the turnover in the league and everything. Um, and so I kind of had that stat ready and waiting to go. Mm-hmm. I had it like in a folder, like okay, when McClellan gets fired, let's throw this out there. Mm-hmm. But it's happened, uh, and congratulations to Dave Hackstall. Yeah, I mean it's 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 still wild. I mean, again, you're in the middle of the third season. So like, it's, it, it feels like one of those things that like shouldn't be, but at the same time, if it means that all the other teams in the division are that disorganized and all over the place, then I guess you take it. Um, I don't know. I, the, I, the number one thing that it makes me think of RJ, uh, beyond, and this is kind of beyond Hackstall, but it's like, what, what is a shorter lifespan in sports, an NFL running back or an NHL head coach? Man, I mean, well, given given that Hackstall here is the seventh longest tenured coach in the league after three years, not two even and three a half years, seasons, yeah, I think we got to go with running back. <laughs> oh, you got to go with running running backs are shorter than that. No, shorter. Sorry, no, uh, no, no. Yeah. Running backs are longer. <laughs> yeah, I forgot yeah. which way which one you asked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that's crazy, right? But I think it speaks volumes about him as a coach and and the way that the team thinks about him and and the way that yeah the organization thinks about him, right? By team, I meant the players, um, and the way the the front office and the rest of the organization thinks of him. Because we talked about this, right? When they were struggling earlier, do they move on from him? We knew that they wouldn't do something 
immediately, right? This is not an organization to react quickly to something. But we did think, like, at some point, is there a breaking point, right? We were having all of those conversations around him. Kraken don't do anything. They, they take the patient route. And, and of course, Haxtell has them now, you know, two points out of a playoff spot. Um, it's 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 a good thing, I think, right? Like, that the team doesn't just, like, run through coaches, right, the way some other organizations do. I like the fact that there is consistency here under Hackstall and all of that stuff. Like, I think that that's an important thing. Right. I mean, consistency just throughout the organization, right, you know, yeah. from the top. And and the other kind of stat I looked up with this was there are only two teams in the NHL that have both a, a longer-tenured head coach and a longer-tenured GM. So, like, the you know, then Ron yeah. Francis and Dave Hackstall. So, like, that coach-GM combo already – you know, in a way, top three in the league as far as just consistency's sake. I know other teams was like Colorado where they've just promoted the GM yeah. to president of hockey ops. So it's, you know, there are other teams that deserve to be in that conversation. But um, I think having that consistency in the organization can can be a benefit, certainly. And I know I, I haven't, you know, I'm not just ignoring all the, because look, when I tweeted that set out, a lot of the comments and a lot of the reaction were were kind of negative. So I like, I, I see that, I understand. Um but, you know, you look at the alternative with some of these teams and it, you know, it can get kind of ugly when you just cycle through coaches all the time. Yeah, it's not a good look. It doesn't really breed that much consistent winning, right? Like it's not a path to consistency at all, right? When you're inconsistent with the coach. Um, so I, I think there's that. And I think the other thing to remember is, and this was really the thing that we did talk about, um, even when things were really bad, was he's not a guy who ever lost the room. Right. Like even when things are bad for the Kraken and they were bad through season one, they've been bad at times this year. The players never say anything bad about him. He doesn't lose the room. They're all still bought in. It's always they've got to be better. Right. Individually or as a group like they, they very much take it on themselves. And that does speak volumes. Right. No matter what sport you're looking at. That's always when, you know, there's a problem within an organization or, you know, when a coach's you know, days are numbered is when you start getting the sense that the, the players aren't listening to them anymore, right? Because you, you there's nowhere to go from there. That's it. That's the end. And that, that has not happened here. And I think because of his, you know, kind of unique blend of, of coaching and player development, but also just the way that he talks with the players, right? You, you and I have seen it. We've heard the players talk about it. He just talks to them like people, Right. And he takes the, the things that they care about into account, not only when he talks to them, but just in the bigger picture of hockey. We saw him around the Winter Classic telling everybody, enjoy the moment. Enjoy this. You're not probably not going to have something like this happen again in your career. Take a second. Take it in. Don't worry as much about the game. Just take in the moment. Appreciate it. Enjoy it with your family. Same thing right after that loss to the Sharks, RJ. We were all heated. Super heated. You lose that game to the Sharks. What are you doing? You can't afford to lose games like that. And the, and what does he you know come out and tell the media? No, I told them not to dwell on this. They should go enjoy the vacation, enjoy the time with their family, rest up, and we'll get back to work when they get back, right? And that that's a big thing. Not a lot of coaches behave that way, but it's a big deal when you look at, at the number of NHL coaches around him who have been fired. A lot of time it's because they lose the locker room and Dave Haxtall does not lose this locker room. These players respect him. They like him. They listen to him. And every time they do find themselves in an eight game skid, they, they take responsibility for it. 
which is not the case in a lot of rooms either. And I think that 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 speaks volumes to the culture that he has created there with that group. Yeah. And when you look at it like that, too, I suppose the longevity maybe shouldn't be a surprise, you know, as long as you get the results that are good enough, Uh, because like you said, you don't lose the room. It's the guys that are really hard on their team that maybe after a game like that San Jose game is you're telling you need to think about this every single day of your break. Don't even take it. You know, don't enjoy that vacation because you didn't earn it kind of thing. You know, those are the guys who, while it may be effective in the short term, sometimes the message is going to wear out yeah. maybe in less than three years. And then you see a guy like Dave Haxtell is the longest tenured coach in the division. Yeah. So I know people get critical of the results, right? And it is sports. It's a result driven business. Everybody in sports understands that. Trust me. OK, I was barely in sports, right? I was a, I was a scout for a WHL team. But that's the way it is. Everybody in sports, whether you're the athlete, coach, front office, scout, anywhere, you understand that your job is is completely tied to the result of the team. That's it. There's nothing else. It doesn't matter how good you are. If the team's not doing well, at some point you will be let go. Everybody knows that. I still though think that like there are some things that we put on coaches because they're a figurehead that shouldn't that aren't always on them. Right. And we talked about Mm -hmm. this last week and we can kind of use this as the transition over into the other thing. It's not the greatest roster in the world. (laughs) We talked about that, right? Like there's (laughs) there's serious roster concerns. The fact that you have your highest scoring player with 40 points like there's there is, you know, if you're a coach, right, you find the way to get the best out of your group. And I think Hackstall has done that. You look at the consistency and the depth of scoring that he's been able to produce the last two years, given the, the lineups that he's had and everything. And and he's done a good job taking advantage of the strengths that the Kraken have. You look at Joey and how they've handled Joey. And he was a part of that. Right. Whether it was last year's stuff or this year and you bring him in and you, you know, you have him battle with Chris Drieger for the spot and you had him win and. And you knew you could trust him when when the moment got there. And sure enough, here we are. The moment was there and Joey seized it. And and I think that that a lot of that stuff goes to Hackstall, too. So it's just one of those. I'm, I'm trying to highlight the good with the bad. But when I talk about the roster here, RJ, one of the big things going around um, this week was rumors around Alexander Wenberg and his potential trade value and how available he might be given the the overall nature of where the team is at right now. We saw two big trades in the NHL involving centers, both in Lindholm going to Vancouver from Calgary and then uh, with Sean Monaghan going from Montreal to Winnipeg. Um, and people are people are starting to notice Alexander Wenberg in NHL trade circles. Do you think there's much there, RJ? I mean, we kind of talked about this last week in regards to the guys who might be available until the Kraken are out of it, doubt they're going to make a move. Right. I mean, we, we did talk about this last week, but it, I mean, of course, with two trades involving centers and certainly high prices for centers yeah. over the last week, it's natural, certainly for anybody covering the league or, or looking to, you know, now is the time where you start writing those trade bait articles and pieces, right? Who might be out there? It's natural to look for other centers that could potentially be on the move. And I, I think the first thing you do, certainly if you're not somebody who, is, you know, can be really connected to every NHL team, which nobody can, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we have like the beat writer types who are really connected to one team. We've got the national types who just don't have the time to be like insiders for every team. That's just how it works. And I, the first thing I would do in that situation is go look at the standings, mm-hmm. see who is outside of a playoff spot right now, yeah. look for a center on an expiring contract. And well, okay, the Kraken are outside of a playoff spot right now. They've got a center on an expiring contract who would be a great addition 
for a playoff team. And that's, that's Alex Wenberg's name out there. I mean, that just makes sense to me as far as how you'd look at it. Um, of course, it's a more complicated situation than that, as we talked about when discussing the, the Kraken at the trade deadline last week. But, you know, if the Kraken do kind of bottom out over these next, you know, couple weeks, right? We talked about this. They're going to have some difficult decisions to make. And those decisions are going to get even harder given the returns that we've seen for these two centers uh, in Elias Lindholm and Sean Monahan. And you've got to be asking yourself, okay, what could Wenberg potentially fetch if, say, Sean Monahan brings back a first-round pick? Exactly. I mean, I would think then that he should get a first-round pick. I know the offense isn't there. We have different views on Sean Monahan, RJ. We could get into that if you want here. I know the offensive production isn't as quite there from Wenberg, but I got to think that the defense makes up for that, right? Like the fact that if you're thinking and you're bringing in somebody to be your third C, right? The way like Vancouver did with Lindholm. You know they're bringing in Lindholm for his defense, not the offense, right? They they want somebody who can be a shutdown third line center for them. Wenberg could do that for a Stanley Cup contending team. I got to think then that the, the starting point would be the first round pick given that's what Monaghan got. Now, I, I know you threatened to just get up and leave the podcast. Sorry to air this out. If I said uh-huh. Wenberg would fetch less than I Sean did. Monaghan, so I won't. Okay, but I will say that he's going <laughs> to fetch around the same as Sean Monahan. Yeah. Now the one thing, because it was Frank Saravalli, I that, well, that you mentioned earlier. I, yeah, go I ahead. I think I think, it, or at least that that outlet was that Daily Faceoff or whatever. I think. Yeah, that's yeah, who Daily Faceoff. And they might have been using analytics when they determined that value, but yeah, the value that I saw was a third round pick for Wenberg. Yeah, which I think we can both agree is kind of ridiculous yeah. on the low end, certainly yeah. given trade deadline prices, right? But I, I think that does give a little insight as far as the perception. I think when you have trades like this, a lot of it is based on perception. And we've we've kind of talked about it in terms of like Toronto and that hockey market and mm-hmm. how guys just kind of get talked up and everything. But I think Montreal is pretty similar. When you have a guy like Sean Monaghan that's thriving under the bright lights in Montreal and everybody sees it and everyone stays up for those games, I think you can have some kind of value inflation that we saw in the return on that trade that Alex Wenberg's just not going to have. And I know these are NHL GMs. They've got pro scouts. They've got people looking at these players. Mm. This isn't just purely a media narrative, but I really think that does play into it somewhat. And you see it every year with certain, with the contracts that certain guys get in big markets. And I know there's, yeah. you could say it's the tax for having to deal with the media and all that stuff. But I really do think these guys, their value does kind of get pumped up by playing in places like that. And a player like Wenberg basically has everything working against him value-wise. He's playing in a market that, you know, begrudgingly not a lot of people pay attention to. We've talked about yeah. this. The counting stats are absolutely not there, even though he's overperforming from like a goals perspective, yeah. right? He scored way more than we thought he was going to. He's got eight goals already through 50 games but he's still got only 20 points through 50 games. Mm-hmm. You compare that to Sean Monahan, who has 35 points through 49 games. He's able to score a lot more. I know he's a different type of player, but that's going to look kind of different. Um, and then also he's, you know, he just doesn't play that flashy style of game. You've got to really rely on that. Like he's going to do all the things defensively that pro scout should see GM should see. But if you don't, like it, it's hard to it, it hard to talk yourself into that is what I'm saying. Yeah. Versus, I, I think it's easier to talk yourself into giving up that extra price for a Sean Monahan. Right. I understand that, and I think there's a reason that b- both of these trades that we're talking about were 
you know, two Canadian teams involved, right? Because I do mm-hmm. think that there is a level of, you know, this guy has performed in one of these high-pressure markets. We know he can, and therefore we we value that. Like, I'll give you that aspect of it. I don't know mm-hmm. that, yes, the, the say, just because Montreal has, you know, 5x people talking about the team on Twitter after every game, I really doubt that that moves the needle for a front office. I think there are things where front offices listen to say NHL network or all of the top podcasts and top podcasts, as we know, pay attention to those other markets for obvious reasons um, compared to Seattle. But I, yeah, I, I'm not willing to totally buy that. Like, you know, they just completely fall for the hype of, well, this guy played for the Canadians. Therefore he must just be better. Like I, I, I just, I refuse to think that an NHL GM in this day and age, RJ, where they are for the most part smarter than than when we were growing up watching them, uh, they are they are generally a little bit smarter about things. Um, I I just can't imagine that that would be the case. I could understand in a situation like this, you would say Sean Monahan has more offense. We're valuing that more, especially Winnipeg. They're not really bringing in Sean Monahan to be their two C. I mean, to be their three C. They're bringing him in yeah. to be their two C. They do need more offense out of the person that they bring in um, than, than, say, Vancouver did when they brought in Lindholm, who they needed to be a defensive guy. So I think in that sense, you'd have to look at what a team needs. But if a team needs a three C to be a defensive shutdown guy, I mean, Wenberg is that guy. Like, all the defensive numbers would back that up over Monaghan. And I got to think then if you're – if if Lindholm as coming in as a rental three C is worth a first couple prospects, an NHL guy that you can flip next year at that deadline, then I gotta imagine that yes, Winberg Winberg is at least Sean Monahan val- value of a first and a conditional second pick. Right, and I mean with with Lindholm too, like we both agree, Monahan. I mean Monahan. Um... Uh, Wenberg is like a kind of a poor man's Elias Lindholm. I think yeah, Lindholm is certainly the better that. like player yeah. comp. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, you're going to see less than, than Lindholm. Right. But yeah, I think he could go for a first round pick a late first, I think mm-hmm. is kind of the, the ceiling on what he could get. But certainly if Francis is willing to take like, you know, maybe a couple seconds or something like that, more like packages that he would take for, you know, a, a geo or a yarn croak or someone like that. Certainly you could have that return and either way. Those are a lot. That's a lot of assets coming back. Yeah, for a rental and the player that Wenberg is, and so, you know, it's it's going to be a tough decision for him. It, it is right because this is this is then what you have to what you have to balance, right? You can have a really valuable asset in a first round pick, and that's a that's going to be a good player who most likely will be an NHL player for your team. But realistically, because we're talking about a playoff team, be late teens, maybe early twenties pick, right? I mean, maybe Wenberg takes them all the way to the promised land. You get pick thirty two. But you're talking realistically late teens or early 20s pick, similar to where the Kraken were this last year when they picked 20th, right? You get you can get a good player like an Edward Chalet at pick 20, at least in a deep draft you can. But he's still going to take three years to really be an impactful NHL player, right? Maybe they get there sooner than that, but they're not going to be an impact player. So you have this valuable asset. You're going to get a good player. You're going to inject skill into the organization, but it takes probably three years versus with this rental player can you maybe make the playoffs this year right right it becomes like a <laughs> right but that's like an interesting spot to think about if you are a front office person for a team 
how valuable is making the playoffs for you as far as, you know, you're an expansion team. You're trying to still grow the fan base. You're trying to, you know, you're dealing with the season ticket thing. I hate to constantly bring that up, but it's because we keep hearing it from people, right? Like, so obviously that is a, that is a significant factor, but even beyond just the season tickets, like I said, you're still just a new team. We saw what the playoffs were able to do for them last year. You think if we can do back-to-back playoff berths, that's like a big deal as far as establishing ourselves in the sports community within this city that has so many options sports-wise, right? But we can establish ourselves as a legit competitive team because we made the playoffs the last two years, right? Being able to say that just means something. And so it's going to be fascinating to see as they if they continue the trajectory, RJ, of just kind of bouncing in and out of that second wildcard spot, what direction you go in because... There's significant pros and cons to both. You either go for it and you lose that player at the end of the year and get nothing back outside of maybe another playoff berth, or you get an asset that's not going to help you for three years, and a lot can happen in that three years, including you maybe not still having that job. And and so it's just one of those things, like, I, I'm never envious when GMs are put in that position. Right. It's it's always difficult. And then you also have the, the other factor, too, if it's Wenberg. You've got Shane Wright sitting in the AHL. Yeah. And do you do you kind of take that risk of, okay, if you can get a first round pick for Wenberg, you ship him out, and then you bet that Shane Wright can just fill that hole for the rest of this season. And then you're talking about his long-term development that you have to weigh. You're talking about maybe burning, burning a year DLC. off his ELC. Like there's so many things that GMs have to consider in a situation like this. I mean, it's just I don't know how you sort all that out, but at the end of the day, it's up to him to make a decision. I think if it's close at all, if they feel like they've really got any shot of the playoffs, that they don't move him. I think they would really have to, you know, lose a lot of these games coming up, be well out of the playoff race, and then you just try and get what you can. Yeah. Otherwise, I think they they stick with him. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like if if they were to really you know, win two games the month of February, right? Like then the decision yeah. probably gets made for you, but I just don't think that that's going to happen. I also, I don't know that they're going to win all but two games in the month of February, right? Like this team has been, they're a very 500 team, RJ. They're very like, you're they're a very wrong. 500 team, but it comes in streaks. It comes in that's streaks. That is the thing. And so it's going to be really interesting to see which streak hits this month because that determines everything. Right. And, and that's just, that's kind of crazy. And again, I can't imagine GMs would love that, but at the same time, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta work with what you, what you have around you and what's going on. So um, it is going to be fascinating, but I, I'm, I'm there with you. I think more likely than not, Wenberg stays on this team past the trade deadline. Yeah. Even though it's not necessarily in Ron Francis's nature, because I mean, he always, he loves to say there are two days that scare him more than any other day in the hockey calendar. And it's trade deadline day and the first day of free agency. And he's talking about buying players because the prices are the highest, Yes, you know, come, come trade deadline day and, and come the first day of free agency. And, you know, he, I, I know he likes to take advantage when, when he's able to, of those high prices, if you can be a seller, if it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think he just doesn't really have that choice as much this year no and we know he likes to get his business done before the deadline Mm -hmm. right like you know look if those two trades are made it might not even be that both of those two trades get made if the kraken were truly out of it let's say they didn't have the the big win streak that they had and they're eight ten points out of a playoff spot i think it's possible that weinberg was part of the discussions for both the jets and um vancouver 
right? It's possible Certainly, they I think moved so. by now already. Yeah, I mean, now seems like the time to do it too. Because I, I think part of that, uh, the returns, the big returns that they got for these two guys is you get them now. You get them exactly. over a month ahead of the deadline. You have more games to try and climb the standings with that player helping you. And as long as you can fit them under the cap, which I mean, with Calgary getting the Kuzmenko, you know, to make the cap work, mm -hmm. they absolutely could, right? As long as you get them under the cap, why not get them earlier? Yeah, exactly. And I think, and you might pay a premium to do it. And I think some of these teams did. Right. And I think I think um, Ron Francis has thought that way, too, on on the flip side of it. And I think he would think that way on the selling side of it, too. And I and I think that, you know, again, it's just because the Kraken are in this interesting will they won't they spot that it makes it kind of hard to talk about all this. And, and yeah, it's it is interesting, too, with the with the national reporters and stuff looking at this too because yes i'm with you they just look at who's out of the playoff picture they don't look and see that it, well they're two points out right how many teams that are two points out of a wild card spot with 30 games left sell traditionally not Very many few. yeah so i don't no, i mean and the general talk around this deadline too has been the market is going to be it's going to be such a seller's market because nobody feels like they're out of it exactly there are so many teams that feel like they're in it, whether it's, you know, in the West where you've got like what five teams all just lined up for this wild card race. Any of mm -hmm. them could take it in the East. It's kind of a similar thing. And so, you know, you're just going to have lots of teams that are convinced they're still in it. And so any team that does decide to go ahead and sell, like, say, Calgary right. is going to get a, a big return. Yeah, you get you get premiums for those guys because you're just you don't have to compete with anybody yeah. which adds to the stress because the sooner you make that call, call. there are going to yes. be teams that at the deadline make that call like all right throwing our cards in or you know we're, yep. we're folding that's it not our year but you know if you can make that call like say a week before everybody else you're going to benefit immensely from that which just adds to the stress on the gm it totally does and and i hope sincerely that the kraken are not in that spot Right. Like I want yeah. them to come out. You don't I want, want to be in that spot. To, I want them to win in February, but I think that it's, it is, I wouldn't be a realist if, if I didn't talk about it of look, if they struggle in the month of February, it's a good opportunity. is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. You could so. find a silver lining to it, I guess would be the, yeah. the way Let, let's hope this it. is a conversation we don't really have to have again. I don't, yeah. But, and I, I don't know, think it, it will be. I don't think it will be. I think they're going to continue, you know, do I think they'll win every game in February? Probably not, but I, I think they're, they're on the right track overall, RJ. Yeah, I mean, really, this is just making me want to see what happens. I want Kraken oh, games again so that, that we know what's going to happen with this because this is such a pivotal stretch coming up. I know, but, you know, got to wait five days. Five days. Five days? Five days for the 10th when they come back and we do our Patreon Live commentary, RJ. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, at least we'll get to around. watch the game along with the patrons. Like that, that will uh, be worth the wait. I think definitely, definitely. Kraken will be starting things off on that East Coast swing before heading back, and then, I mean, it's like what two solid weeks of just home games too. So that's going to be interesting and fun for the Kraken as well, and for uh, Seattle fans entirely. So yes, one more time reminder that that um, Patreon live game commentary for that first game back on February tenth be doing that over at patreon you can check out the link in the description if you're watching on youtube it's across all our socials and everything watch party on the 13th for the islanders yes, the game at the south lake union location 4 30 start for that one and then of course take the opportunity without cracking hockey taking away all your attention 
to go and enjoy Queen Anne Beer Hall, right? Like, you can still go there even when Kraken Hockey's not going on, and I think it'll just enhance the experience of having one of their pretzels and, and a beer. I really do. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Eat some carbs for me is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. Want pretzel and beer. Get all the carbs in, just like Dylan would. And uh, until next week, everybody. Well, I guess nah, that doesn't work with my saying of see you next time until next week. But we'll see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane. Alaska Joe, Alex, Alvi, Andrew, Anonymous, Anthony, Beef, Ben, Brad, Brian, Bryce, Burnt Krem, Caden, Kat, Kaylin, Shazzle Dazzle, Chip, Chris, Christian, Cody, Connor, Coop, Corey, Danny39, DJ Singletone, Duthin, EV99, Eli, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Empty Net Hockey, Ethan, Evan, Fusion Mix, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Helena, Habak, Jane, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Julia, Justin, Katie, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, L. Bell, Leanne, Levin, Light, Little Tennis Guy 8, Lonnie, Mac and Cheese, Maeve, Mark, Max, Maya, Michelle, Nick, Night Drop, Noah, Nunya, Olivia, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Randall, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, Sia Kraken, Sean, Sean, Sergey, Sergeant Pickles, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team 114 Chris, Ty, Virginia, Wendy, Where the Slovakians At, Zame, and Zoe. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.